Welcome to the Hat Soil Health Podcast, a production of Hoosier Ag Today and made possible by the Indiana Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative, a program of the Indiana Conservation Partnership. Once a month, we'll spotlight the many efforts around Indiana by CCSI and its many partners to improve soil health on Indiana cropland. Here's the host of the Hat Soil Health Podcast, Eric Pfeiffer. Welcome in and thanks for joining us here for the Hat Soil Health Podcast. I'm Eric Pfeiffer and, you know, it's been a great pleasure of mine to host this podcast for the past few years now. We started this a while back, pre-pandemic, talking about soil health, conservation, things that folks can do to really get into this space. The conversation has just accelerated around conservation so much in just the past few years and we started this with, with that in mind, with a way to help folks get into this space. And we're we're going through a bit of a transition here. It's not like I'm going anywhere. I'm still going to be working for Hoosier Ag today. I'm sure I'll pop up on a soil health podcast here and there. But uh, Elise Koning is a new employee with Hoosier Ag today. Elise has been with us for a little while now. And Elise has some background here in conservation, and she's going to take this bull by the horns and... Uh, and start to, to, you know, steer it in the right direction here with the Soil Health Podcast. Elise, first off, welcome to the team. Thank you for being here today, and thank you for taking the reins here of the Soil Health Podcast. If you could just give folks a little bit of a background of you and, and some of your background in conservation. Eric, thanks so much, and I'm really excited to be joining the Soil Health Podcast and talking to our guests who we have uh, on the podcast throughout the season. I have a background in conservation that spans um, many years where I started working on my family's farm, and I remember going out with my dad to the field across the road when I was in first grade so that we could take a soil test and he was going to send it in to the lab for that. I remember going out to our uh, cattle and seeing how we grazed out in the fields and using conservation practices for that. I've worked for the Natural Resources Conservation Service and also served as communications director for the Conservation Technology Information Center. So I got to know the sponsor of this podcast, the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative, well whenever I was in those positions. And I'm looking forward to working with them again to spread the good word about conservation agriculture. Well, Elise, again, we're looking forward to this and you taking the reins here again. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still here with Hoosier Ag today. I might pop up here and there. Uh, But Elise, we've got great guests for today's podcast as well. Now is as good a time as any. I'm going to just throw it over to you, let you take it away. Thanks a lot, Eric. Today we have with us John and Denise Jamerson. And let's start out with introducing yourselves and describing what you do. Well, hello, I'm John Jamerson um, with the Legacy Taste of the Garden uh, here in Lyle Station, Indiana. And I um, help to uh, direct uh, information to farmers. I I help to uh, uh, on the farm to help out uh, in the growing and and things of that nature. Uh, One of the things that I do is is try to connect uh, the uh, farmers with the resources that are out there through the different entities that are there. 
and uh, assist Denise and my son uh, in the uh, farming arena that they're in. And uh, I'll, I'll turn that over to uh, Denise from here. Hello, everyone. My name is Denise Greer-Jamerson. I grew up on a farm in Lyle Station, Indiana. Um, uh, on our farm, we had a little bit of everything from uh, produce to row crops to all the all farm animals that my sisters and I, um, we raised along with, for our family and with my dad. Um, I also work with Legacy Taste of the Garden, which is a produce business for my family, my son and John and myself, we run the produce when in doing that, we teach on sustainable living, entrepreneurial opportunities, um, scholarship opportunities for youth. We work in communities and with communities, teaching them um, the farming lifestyle throughout Indiana. Let's start with Lyle Station there in Gibson County. Denise, your family has farmed there for many years. Tell us about the place and why it's so special. Okay, sure. Lyle Station is the last remaining African-American farming settlement in Indiana. Um, it is my family has been here since um, 1880, 1855 farming. Uh, my father is noted in the African-American Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C., as one of the last remaining African-American farmers in the United States that's still farming land that's been in his family since pre-Civil War. Uh, my dad um, is still farming. He's 85 years old and he's still farming um, to this day um, land that's been that's still in the in the family. Um I'm kind of that's pretty much what Lyle Station is. We it's just a historical place for African-American farmers. So one of the things that's there in Lyle Station is the museum, the Historic Preservation Corporation. What yes. does the museum, what does the museum do and why is preservation of history important there? Lyle Station Consolidated School is, is where the museum is located. Um, in the Years before, there were a lot of settlements in Gibson County, a lot of African-American settlements. So the name Lyle's Consolidated School came because all of those settlements came together and built the Lyle's Consolidated School. So um, because of the rich history that Lyle Station has, it has a rich oral history that has been passed down from generations um, on living here in Lyle Station and the accomplishments of the people here in Lyle Station. In the 70s, my father purchased the school because the school went up for a tax sale. So in the 70s, um, because my father went to school there, he did not want to see the school tore down or not, you know, not there anymore. So he purchased the school. Fast forward from the 70s and the 90s, um, me and another lady approached um, Jeannie Killebrew approached Indiana Landmarks in reference to Lyle Station and preserving the history of Lyle Station. Um, and so we created the Lyle Station Historic Preservation Corporation to preserve the history, the oral history and history of Lyle Station so that the future generations would be able to come back and and see the Lyle Station and the grounds that 
our ancestors walked on and worked and created and built. So it sounds like preservation of history is an important part of Lyle Station, and so is preservation of agricultural resources or conservation. John, what conservation practices have been implemented there? Uh, at, at the uh, museum, uh, they have uh, uh, a uh, hoop house that is there that they, they utilize. They also uh, plant um, cover crops uh, in, in the area to uh, help to show some of the things that they uh, are, are going. They, they're, they're, they have a variety of crops that they um, show there. Uh, th- that uh, helps to um, educate youth that come out there to show them how things were done in the older days. Uh, they even at times have an opportunity where they have a uh, um, uh, a team of, of horses that will come out and they will show them how they uh, till the soil uh, back in those days to uh, uh, get let the youth have an idea deal of, of how far we've come in agriculture and, and what things were like back in the earlier days. What kind of crops are grown in the hoop house? They have uh, a variety of tomatoes, squash, zucchini, uh, cucumbers, uh, peppers uh, that, that they have that's grown in there. With the cover crops, how have they benefited the soil there at the museum? Uh, the ways that they benefited the soil is that uh, by them showing how with the cover crops that they are able to uh, rotate uh, the way that as they showed the uh, older farmers were uh, how it puts back nutrition in the grounds when they rotate Um, and I'm not exactly sure what all they rotate but I know they have uh, like barley and different uh, rotations that, that they actually use over there that help to uh, put back the nutrition back in the ground that is different than the way that we do things nowadays. And they uh, really try to push on the fact that with the uh, the way things that are done today that we, we teach on, on the uh, conservation of things is that we put in chemicals in the ground that helps the plant to grow. Uh, but what we lack is putting back the nutrition in the ground that helps to make the plant healthy, which also helps to make us healthy. And so those are some of the things that we try to emphasize uh, that's important about the way things were done and how to uh, get back to the to the practices of conservation, of, of putting back in the uh, nutrition back in the ground that is needed. Continuing our conversation about nutrition, you both also work in urban areas with various projects. Let's start with the legacy taste of the garden. What is it and who is involved? Well, uh, legacy taste of the garden uh, is something that my son uh, had had wanted to uh, create. Uh, we have for years had a garden at our house and, and his uh, f- grandfather and his uncle's were farmers. Uh, his grandfather was, was a produce farmer. And so he wanted to get back into that realm of uh, doing produce. Um, I myself, I'm from Indianapolis. And so 
having connections with farmers and stuff, we often will bring fresh produce up to the city uh, and our friends and stuff enjoyed them so much that they often would ask us to bring some up for them. Uh, and to tell a real quick story, one time a group of youth came down, visited my father-in-law and asked him to bring a truckload of watermelon up. Uh, being from the city, they considered a truckload a pickup truck. Being a farmer, he considered a truckload a 10-wheeler. And so they ended up having more, more than 1,100 watermelons on this truck. Didn't know what to do with it. And he asked me to figure out how to get rid of them. And in a sense, I, I was able within two or three days to get rid of them. Uh, and when I called and told him that they were gone, he said he would be back up uh, that Friday. And when he came back up, he brought another truckload of watermelon. And so, and that's how we got known in the urban city of uh, bringing produce and stuff in. Um, and then from there, once we moved here 20 years ago, uh, we often got a call to bring back uh, produce because the stores uh, were closing up. And so we are uh, a staunch believer that you are what you eat and that if you eat fresh produce, nutritional food, that you will be healthy. Uh, and that's even with this COVID pandemic that we just went through. Um, that's one of the things that we try to push for the people that are in those communities, the urban uh, areas where there's food deserts, uh, where COVID hit the hardest, is that if you eat proper food, you'll have the nutrition to be able to fight off these diseases. And so we try to teach them the importance of eating fresh whole foods uh, versus processed foods that they have been accustomed to. And especially when you get that many fresh watermelons, I'd imagine there'd be a lot of people excited about eating that fresh produce. That's oh, yeah. a lot of watermelons. Um, yeah, to, to, to this day, uh, the, we're, we're known as, as the, uh, the people from with the watermelons from down south. So uh, they've gotten uh, as, as noticeable as even all the way up to Chicago. Uh, where we have people that call and, and ask for produce. Nice. So, Denise, why is Legacy Taste of the Garden an important initiative? Um, Legacy Taste of the Garden is important um, because, as John said, you know, once we started uh, bring, taking the produce back to the, to the city, that's when we noticed the food deserts um, in the city when we went back and, and noticed, you know, the disparity of the communities that we had worked with, uh, we seen the importance of not only eating healthy food, but for me, we all, I also was also dealing with seeing the decline of the black farmer. So in seeing that, I, I, I think that it's really important for kids to understand all of the opportunities in agriculture, um, understand how food directly relates to their health, um, not only their health, but we work in community gardens, um, teaching the kids from the seeds to market to preserving. And in working with the kids, we also noticed that it was important to them to understand 
how important food was not only for them, but for their families too. So for them to be able to grow food and take it home and know more about food other than, you know, it just is in the store or they don't understand um, making healthy food options. Um, it makes it, it made it really important to, to dive in and tell what we know and to teach what we know and to bring it to the light so that, you know, our communities can come back to um, eating healthy because the thing is, you know, we forever, the senior citizens know what to do with the food. You know, they, like John said, 20 years ago, the people who we, we serviced before um, would come back. So they, they know how to cook it. They know what to do with it. They enjoy getting it and they look forward to getting it. But the, but when you deal with children and you see that need, we just feel it legacy. You know, for me, I know the life and the lifestyle that I had was, was good. Um, I understand that the food is good and good for me. And I just, it's just an important initiative to, to, to shine the light back on the importance of farming and, and, and living and eating healthy. And I'll ask this for both of you. Um, what kinds of results have you seen and what kind of feedback have you received for the program? Um, for, uh, for me, the results that stick out is the interest in agriculture the the excitement about opportunities in agriculture john i'll let you let you chime in well um some some of the things that that as denise said uh that really stick out is one for me i i did not realize how far out of the norm things have gotten uh and and with that you know we when we grow the produce and stuff uh, with one of the schools, uh, we teach them about what is being grown. And then Denise also teaches them how to cook and process that food. And one particular school that she was working with, we decided to do a traditional Thanksgiving dinner. And with that, when we found out what uh, was considered a traditional Thanksgiving dinner, which consisted of, um, cereal or pizza or something like that, uh, I was just thrown back. And so when we introduced to them how, uh, what a traditional, what to us is a traditional Thanksgiving dinner, uh, and they had an opportunity to taste the food, uh, they really enjoyed it. Um, and, and we find that they have an opportunity to really understand what the food tastes like. Uh, another situation was when we were showing a group of kids how to make spinach quesadillas. And the mother uh, of one of the ch children was there and she said, oh, my daughter's not gonna eat that. She doesn't need any produce. She doesn't need any vegetables. And when her daughter went up there and, and ate it and asked for seconds, the mother went up there and said, can I have some? And let her have some and so in, and at the end of the program they came in and the mother testified that they they always put nothing but meat on their on their uh, menu rarely did they have vegetables 
and that since that day that uh, that they constantly have vegetables in, in their diet and that uh, the Spanish quesadillas was one of their favorites. And that was the only, uh, that since then, they, they had several meals that did not consist of uh, predominantly meat. And so, you know, it, a lot of the things that we see that are going on out there are not just due to the fact that this is how, how things have changed, but it's due to the fact that they don't have access to the food. And so once we get them back uh, with the access, then they need to have the understanding of, of how to utilize uh, to cook these foods and make them taste uh, the way that uh, we're accustomed to. And so once they do that, uh, the hot Cheetos and the other things that they have preferred in the past uh, go by the wayside. Um, everybody likes that good down home cooking, as I put it. Yeah. And, and, and to piggyback on not just focusing on the youth, it was, a, it, you know, the adults um, that had always gone to, um, say, grandma's house or grandpa's house had forgotten how to grow their own food. So the re- some of the results is that now we see a lot of people wanting to grow their own food, wanting to learn how to grow their own food. So um, I, I won't segue into, you know, okay, so if you want to grow your own food, then what does that entail? And it's not just, I can just walk outside my door and plant into the ground. So um, we've seen a lot of, of uptick on people wanting to learn, wanting to know, wanting to get back to the basics per se. So a major part of Legacy Taste of the Garden is learning, and that leads us to the Black Loam Conference. Tell us about this event and where it takes place. Okay, so I'll start out. The Black Loom Conference, it, it came about, it's, it's about connecting the people with the resources on the local level and building relationships. And um, I'll let John go from there. Thank you, Denise. Um, the Indiana Black Loam uh, concept came from uh, me talking with uh, some of our representatives from conservation and uh um, and then in, in the conversation, I was asked if I would be willing to do a workshop. And I, me being who I am, I said, how many do you want me to do? And they were like, well, how many do you think you can do? I ended up telling them five. And so what we ended up doing was having them across the state uh, in Evansville, Bloomington, Fort Wayne, Gary, and Indianapolis. And uh, we were targeting those areas. Uh, because we were trying to get access uh, of, of the resources to farmers in those areas. And we were trying to cover the state as much as we could. Uh, in our works of, of doing the things that we do, teaching and stuff about nutrition and, and trying to give access to um, produce and, and fresh vegetables uh, in those communities, we found that there were a lot of small African-American farmers that were in those areas that had no idea of the opportunities through the USDA. Uh, USDA uh, has had a a bad stigma in the community. And so a lot of people are shunned away from it. 
and then those who do know about it don't encourage others to get involved. And so um, in working with uh, the NRCS, state conservationists and things of that nature, for Jerry Rayner, um, we, had, we had built a, a good rapport with them and just tried to explain uh, what, what the people were in need of. And, uh, and this was an area that they were looking at trying to build in with the urban uh, as well as rural. And so uh, what we ended up doing was creating this to uh, uh, bring out the, uh, the local representatives in those areas to talk about the programs and things that they had. Uh, we let those communities uh, tell us the areas that they were interested in. And so we tried to make sure that we brought that information out to them uh, through uh, the programs and stuff uh, that was being represented. And so when we did that, we had great success. Uh, the number of people that was thought to have been interested in it, uh, we ended up having, I'd say, probably three or four times that many. I think uh, the smallest number that we had in at any venue was around 25 uh, individuals. And we had, um, well, in, in Indianapolis, where we had our, our final conference and we invited everybody to that one. Um, I think we had over a hundred and I know well over 150 participants in that one, uh, itself. So, uh, it, it was designed to, uh, bring the resources to the people and bring the people to the resources. Uh, the term black loan, as we know, uh, the the richest soil that you can get, the darker it is, the better that it, it the more richest it is as in uh, for growing. And so our thing was to be able to to grow good farmers. And so we wanted to provide the the best platform for that. And so we coined the term black loan, uh, and that's what the, that's all about. What kinds of results did you see from the Black Loam Conference and what kind of feedback? Well, one, one of the things is uh, an individual from uh, Fort Wayne who had been uh, farming for several years had always been complaining that he was never able to be a part of the programs and things of that nature. And it wasn't until we brought individuals agents from, from each of the uh, uh, USDA uh, departments there that he was able to then understand that there was a process that he had to have. And although he had gone up to these uh, pro, uh, individuals to, for the programs, he didn't understand that one, you needed to have a farm number in order to um, be a part of that. And so once we had everybody in the same area and he was able to go and make those contacts that he needed. Uh, he went and posted, uh, we had had the event on Saturday and he, he posted that Monday that, uh, you know, how he had won already uh, by, by noon Monday, he had received his farm number and two, he had also been entered into the program that he had been wanting to get into. And so, like I said, a lot of times it's, it's just, understanding the process and making those connections that you need to make. And, um, you know, it, it makes things a lot better. We've, we've received tons of feedback 
Um, and I would say probably 98% of them uh, very positive uh, about what was there and how they were impressed. Uh, even from some of the presenters, uh, they were like, man, I, I came here and learned things that I didn't uh, know existed in these programs. And so, uh, you know, it's just a, a good learning opportunity. Well, as we start to wrap up here, um, I want to know, Denise and John, what your biggest takeaways have been through working in Lyle Station with the Legacy Taste of the Garden and the Black Loam Conference. Uh, what has been the biggest aha moment for you and one of the top things you would want a listener to take away? The biggest aha moment for me is that there is an interest in agriculture from the youth with 4-H programs to the seniors, um, farmers who are needing help uh, learning the programs and learning successional planning and, you know, just family farm structure. Um, so the one of the biggest, like, like you said, the biggest aha moment is, is there is truly a need and that I am able to be a part of helping the farming communities where and meet them wherever they're at on getting resources, um, teaching um, food nutrition, uh, providing food. Um, so for me, that I think that that was the biggest one of the biggest aha moments for me is that there is there is a need for agriculture, not just in the food deserts, but in you, the United States period that, you know, we need to get back to the basics of what we know about and, and to know about our food. Um, just with that, also, I volunteered for the Taste of Indiana um, with Farm Bureau Women in Ag. And it, it really surprises me how many people do not know where their food comes from and how important it is to have good, healthy food for them and their families. Well, uh, I, you know, I, I, I echo a lot of what Denise said. I, I would also add the fact that one of the biggest things that I've learned through Legacy Taste of the Garden, you know, when I, when my son helped, asked me to help him with this, I was just trying to see how I can uh, increase its sales and uh, notoriety out there. And, and then COVID hit. And it was in doing the, the, the research and everything that you, you discovered that the majority of our food comes from overseas. Two thirds of the food that we eat, the produce and stuff that we eat uh, is imported into the country. And then when COVID hit and what little bit was being grown in the country, we couldn't even get out the field. Then we got to see how devastated our, our access to food actually was, not just for the urban communities, but for all communities. And we're still in that crunch. So it, it, it was to me a wake up call to, to share with other people the importance of one, that's Denise was saying, know where your food is coming from, too. Eat local. Um, it's important to uh, 
support your local farmers because without them, you have to rely on someone else. And so, uh, it, you know, it, it, it sounds good at times to, to have uh, a lot of stuff that comes from somewhere else. But the thing is, is that if those pipelines get cut off, you know, you have to, you, you're going to, we're going to have to rely on our local farmer. And so uh, it doesn't matter if you're, uh, what, what color you are or anything else. Uh, if you are a farmer, you are desperately in need uh, here in America with, you know, uh, we, we really need to recognize that and um, get on the bandwagon. And then also the, through COVID also the, um, the importance of, of eating health, you know, for years, uh, decades has been talked about how Americans are some of the most obese people out there. And we, we really need to look at our health. You know, America itself was one of the top countries that was damaged due to COVID. And that's directly due to our health. COVID attacked those who had health issues. And 95% of our health issues is directly related with the food that we eat. Denise, John, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Soil Health Podcast. How can a listener interested in the Black Loam Conference, Legacy Taste of the Garden, or Lyle Station learn more or become involved in these efforts? Uh, well, they can reach out to us here at uh, through our website or email us, uh, both our or even on our Facebook page. And all of those are uh, basically the same. It's uh, Legacy Taste of the Garden. Uh, for our email, it's LegacyTasteOfTheGarden at gmail.com. Uh, website is, is www.LegacyTasteOfTheGarden.com. And our Facebook page is Legacy Taste of the Garden. For the uh, school, you can go to uh, Lyle Station Consolidated School, or uh, type in Lyle Station. Denise, help me out on that one. I got my tongue twisted. Lyle Station Historic Preservation Corporation in Lyle there Station, Indiana, and you spell Lyles, L-Y-L-E-S. Okay, thank you very much. I think that about does it for our uh, Soil Health podcast and my first time hosting Thank you so much for being great guests and sharing your story. Eric, want to take it away? Yeah, let me show you how to do this, Elise. Yeah. The podcast today was brought to you by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative. You can learn more about their efforts and learn more about their schedule of events at ccsin.org. Thanks for joining us on today's Soil Health Podcast. Until next time, I'm Eric Pfeiffer.